Greetings, Aztec fans. Welcome to Aztecs All In, the podcast that goes all in on San Diego State sports. I'm Lewis Weiner, along with Steve Perez. And Steve, the Aztecs got trampled by the Lopes. Hey, Lewis, thanks for making the electronic connection. Aztecs All In, it's that holiday season, so hopefully... You have a little bit of that spirit going. My spirit is a little less spirited after last night's Aztec game, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Coming up in this week's episode, number 28 of Aztecs All In, the 25th-ranked SDSU men's basketball team most likely won't be ranked next week after falling to the antelopes of Grand Canyon U inside an arena that felt more like a rock concert than a basketball game. We'll hear from Coach Brian Dutcher about the roller coaster that is the college basketball season. And we'll hear from UC San Diego coach Eric Olin about the importance of playing the crosstown rival Aztecs. On the football side, new coach Sean Lewis shares his thoughts on what he learned from Deion Sanders about roster management and how best to use the transfer portal, plus how he describes his prototypical football player. Also, how would he handle the end of the game up 10 with just six minutes to play? ADJD Wicker shares how Sean Lewis answered that question. There's more Brady Hoke's farewell deal, cheaper football season tickets, and the NCAA's plan to break up Division I. Whew! But first, Steve, the Lopes beat the Aztecs in a game that I thought the Aztecs had a chance to pull out, but did not happen. Oh, man. Oh, 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 I have the vapors again. Did you know that the Antelopes have never defeated a top 25 team, Lewis. Did, did you know that they were a Division Three team just X years ago? And Are that they were a great shot blocking team? Shot-blocking team? <laughs> and that the preseason whack favored? Oh, well, after a few hours on uh, one of the favorite Disney-related networks, I learned all of that and more, and so much more from the School of Nursing students. Yeah, 79-73, Aztecs lose. Game was tied at 52. Aztecs then fell behind 13 inside five minutes. They tried another valiant comeback like against UCSD, but this time it did not work. Not enough down the stretch. It's good for the School of Nursing students. We, we wish them well. Yeah. <laughs> Aztecs led 41-40 after a 13-5 run to start the second half. And it looked like they were going to get things going, but it uh, just did not happen. And according to Mark Ziegler of the uh, Union Tribune, the Aztecs could have gotten out of this game without having to go play there with a 150000 buyout. So they could have paid 150000 bucks and avoided this loss, which uh, kind of dinked them in the net rankings. They fell uh, from three spots from 27 to 24. But I don't think it's going to kill them overall because at the end of the season, nobody's going to look back and say, hey, they uh, you know, lost to Grand Canyon U. I oh, think. my heavens. Yeah, and we thank Richard Stern, also the assistant AD of Media Relations, for stats and notes coming to us all season long. You know, the biggest lead in the game, I think, was 13 in the second and the Lopes, the Antelopes, the Lopes. And then they kind of were shorted to the Lopes. So at the end, I was thinking they were going to just call them the Us. But the Us led for nearly 33 minutes of that game, and the Aztecs were out-rebounded by eight. And I was surprised because it felt like the Us had out-rebounded the Aztecs mightily on the defensive boards because they were getting so many second chances. But the margin there was pretty slim. But the Aztecs got 19 boards on 
defense, the us came up with 10 um, on the offensive end. So I think overall, to one more look back, it was kind of one of those games where I think they may have missed Kashad Johnson, who was the leading scorer for the Aztecs in the championship game. 6'7", 225. He's got the NBA frame. He's now at Arizona. He's averaging 12 in his 24 minutes, along with six rebounds and a shot block. But on balance, it was one of those games that the Aztecs are now going to have to learn from in a loss where in previous games, as Coach Dutcher said, they were able to have the privilege of learning while they win. Yeah. After the game, Coach Dutcher talked about the rebounding discrepancy. They were out-rebounded offensively by the Lopes, but it was close, 13-10. to 10. But what Coach Dutcher said the difference was is that the Lopes were able to score on their offensive boards and the Aztecs were not. Jaden Ledee, who scored 24 points, had a really good game. Coach Dutcher said he draws contact, but not enough to get the fouls called. He says it's much like Matt Bradley last year. He says he's not getting to the foul line, and he has to work on that because he's not being rewarded under the basket because it's such a big dude, right? And they don't call the fouls against him. From the television view, it did look like the guys underneath were able to get away with a little bit more. And the theme is, if for any opponent, that's the guy you want to try to double up inside because he does have a tendency to try going for the basket, even sometimes when that shot is not there because he's so well covered. The other difference to me was just the free throws. The Aztecs missed a bundle. They were only 15 of 24 from the line. Butler was 0 for 4 after going 1 and 3 against UC San Diego. So are we... Able to pull that comment yet from Coach Dutcher about the roller coaster ride that is the college basketball season? Or do we have more stats and notes from last night's little chestnut in Phoenix? Well, let's get to that. I just want to say briefly, you mentioned Butler. I did check last night. He is now 9 for 24 from the free throw line this season. That's 38%. So uh, he needs to work on that. But yeah, let's get to what uh, Coach uh, Coach had to say. Yeah, a firm grasp of the obvious on that one. So thank you. Yes, we will pull out that comment from Aztec coach Brian Dutcher, where he discussed the UC San Diego crowd. The Aztecs pulled out that last second win after trailing by oodles on a hostile home court. And one of those opportunities that was taken advantage of at the last second. This is college basketball. Happens every night to somebody. It almost happened to us. It's you know, it's it's the way the game's played. So uh, yeah, we all want to win. Had we lost, we'd uh, used it as motivation for the next game. It's a long season, and uh, uh, you have to play really good to win a college basketball game. We played good enough. And after that UC San Diego game, head coach Eric Olin, it was one of those situations where had they been a higher ranked team, the Essex could have spared themselves that trip to Phoenix. Lion Tree Arena was very similar, hostile environment. There were plenty of Aztecs faithful there, so it wasn't quite like that game, which was pretty much all nursing students. But that UC San Diego game marked the official end of a series. It's a home program, though, that could be on the rise, and if it improves, the Aztecs can swap out a crosstown game there in the future for games like the one they just finished playing. We'll just continue to have conversations and, um, you know, when it makes sense, we'd love to do it. Uh, and it's something we hope to continue, but we have to do our part in that to make sure that it's, it's 
makes sense for them. For what it's worth, uh, Coach Dutcher said he wouldn't want to play you guys again if you guys had won. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think that, yeah, but like that, that makes sense, right? Because, you know, they they have things they're trying to accomplish with the non-conference schedule, and, and playing road quad fours is, is probably not part of that. But, you know, if we if we can take if we can do our part and improve our team to where um, it makes sense for them to schedule us and they don't have to, you know, travel to get the kind of quality game that could be right down the street. So, so we're going to work really hard to improve and hopefully do our part to uh, maybe create this opportunity again. But earlier in the season, I mean, everybody who is hyperventilating over this loss in the overall scheme of things, it really matters how the SX played down the end and they do have a history of improving as the season wears on and they are going to have to in this situation well said steve i agree with you completely aztecs play at home against uc irvine this saturday and then next week is the big game up at gonzaga so the aztecs can make everybody forget about this one if they can pull out a big win up in Washington against Gonzaga. So we shall see how that goes. That should be a fun game to watch. Fun and exciting, Steve. Isn't that what we always say? Nice thing about being at home. The Aztecs are 8-3 and three there against UC Irvine in the series. They are 12-7 and seven all time. And if they can go through this next tough stretch, winning you know, two of three with uh, Stanford also on deck, including Gonzaga then. We go on, and that's the nice thing about college basketball, which is, as Dutcher has said earlier, it's a roller coaster, and it kind of takes me back to a recent trip I made to Knott's Berry Farm where I'm walking in, meeting a buddy of mine who loves roller coasters, and the first one I'm looking at going, there's no way I'm going on that. It was freaking all entirely of wood, and it felt like it was going to fall apart at any time. But I went on it, and yeah, it was fun and exciting. <laughs> I'm glad you found it fun and exciting. Steve, let's move on to Aztec football, where the new coach is making some news. New Aztec football coach Sean Lewis posted on X yesterday that his coaches were hitting the road to see, quote, hometown heroes and, quote, excited to have our best stay home. A week ago, he was introduced uh, and he talked about the importance of keeping those great San Diego County high school football players in San Diego County. Of course, with the transfer portal and at last count, the portal now has 1,100 players in it right now. Last season, he left his coaching job at Kent State to become the offensive coordinator for Deion Sanders at Colorado. And he watched as more than 60 Colorado players entered the transfer portal upon Sanders' arrival. So Sanders, of course, had to restock. Last week when the coach was introduced, he was asked what he learned about roster construction from Coach Sanders. Yeah, I mean, again, there's lots of lessons learned from Coach in, in terms of roster management. I think everyone has a different style and a different perspective on that. Um, you know, there's going to be a time and a place where you need to go to the portal and you need to be able to supplement your roster in different areas, you know, so that you can maximize that because that is a that's one of the talent acquisition buckets that's available there, along like junior colleges and you know, obviously the high school. But for me, you know, and again, maybe it's again my background as being a high school, you know, a high school coach to where I think the most value and the most bang for your that you're going to get is be able to establish a relationship with a high school player, get to know them and their family and their sphere of influence that's around them, what's important to them, and then being able to prove to them and show to them that this is the best spot for them and where they're going to grow and so that they can entrust in you their career that, that basically in essence is what they're giving to you right, when they decide to, to come to you. right? So we're going to, we're going to grow from within.
within. Right? And then we got to do a great job with those bonds and that relationship and being able to retain them because when they become all-conference players, right, everyone else is going to want them. Uh, right? And so ha having, again, all the resources in place um, that we need to to be able to do that. But again, to me, it comes down to the people and having those relationships. And then again, as we, even as we tap into the portal, right, we need to do our great due diligence in vetting out why those young men are in the portal right, and, and, and what it is that they're looking for. So that, again, that's a good marriage on both sides. And it's not just a one-way street. So, Steve, he's talking about getting those high school players not just to come here, but then having them stay later on as their career progresses. And that's going to be hard. Yes, it will be. And we'll get into one of the big reasons for that later on. But it was an interesting availability there inside the locker room. And we do know that Coach Prime had a lot of reality-based stuff. So people were curious at that time about how much more open and available this new regime would be. And Lewis talked about that. And, hey, I also got a chance to get a question in there edgewise, which kind of related to the last comment. There are some places that are still very sacred that, you know, to where our locker room and, and the, the places that the people of the organization earn the right to be in, those, those will be sacred, right? Because we want this to be... Very, very inclusive for all, and it will be, but it's going to be exclusive only for the people that can, you know, uphold the high standards day in and day out. Um, and so, there, to me, there's there's some sacred spaces so that, that we're going to protect. So this is our last time in here? No. That, that's, not, that, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what is the prototypical Sean Lewis uh, player recruit potential? What do you... How much time do you guys get? <laughs> it, it, you know, it's... Positionally, it is different for each position. For our talent acquisition process, we're going to have clearly defined standards and measurables that we're looking for for each position. The thing that we will not compromise on is our person profile, okay? I want young men that are great teammates, that are great leaders, that enjoy hard work, and that have been through a little bit of adversity in their life because when they get away from home and they get into this locker room that's full of the best of the best, they're going to be met with some adversity. And I think if you have those qualities and you have those traits that regardless of what comes, you're going to have success because you know you are where you're supposed to be. You're not going to look for a greener pasture by finding the exit and going to the portal. And so by really vetting out who the people are, who the, the, the character and the resolve of the young men that we're bringing into this locker room, that we are entrusting the Aztec tradition to. We also had the opportunity to get some comments from J.D. Wicker on the hiring process. There were two Zoom calls involved, and they had one in person. Do recall San Diego State University President Del Delatore saying, that's the guy we want after the face-to-face, -face, I believe. The thing that J.D emphasized in his comments was even though there is this emphasis on up-tempo fast and throwing the football, the Aztecs have a history of being balanced to the point of maybe favoring the run game and this is a, an opportunity to become more balanced. He was more concerned with how the coach would respond according to game situations. So interesting comment he has about one of the questions that he had. Okay, there's, you know, six minutes left in the fourth quarter and you know you've got the ball up 10 you know how are you going to play that because you know there's some coaches that will refuse to move off of how they play offense and they'll go out and they'll throw three incompletions and run 30 seconds off the clock and then the other team gets the ball and all of a sudden bad things can happen so 
Um, I wanted someone who was exciting offensively but also brought balance um, to their game. So that was really good. And then how he approaches the student-athlete experience. Again, that is, you know, life skills are one of the most important parts of what we do in our program, and that's developing young men and women that they are – uh, ready to leave San Diego State and be successful in the real world. And he, not only is he a great football coach, but he does that as well. How did he answer that first question? Which first question? The first question about if you're ahead. Well, how do you, yeah. Oh, what do you do? Uh, no, I mean, he's like, look at, look at the balance that we've had in our program. And, you know, you go back to that Kent State year where, um, you know, I think 50 yards separated what they did offensive and defensive. Now, he did drill in on me on what the situation was exactly. And, um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to look at it, and if the right thing to do is to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. If you need to throw it at some point in there, we'll do that as well. But it's not one of those that's, no, my offensive philosophy is this, and we always do this. Um, it's what's going to win the football game. Steve, great answer there from Wicker about how Lewis described how he'd coach the end of a game, a, a tight game. But in those situations, I don't know if you can really predict what a coach would do until you're actually in that situation, right? Remains to be seen because all the answers have been given, all the right moves are being made, but it's all going to come down to wins and losses at the end of the year because that's why they have this guy instead of Brady Hoke, who, you know, I kind of miss that guy. <laughs> Let's go into the coaching hires at this point. He has made short work of the task of remaking the staff. There's a, a couple of offensive and defensive coordinators like Kirk Maddox is looking for new opportunities. And Sean Lewis has added five assistant coaches. These are respected, well-qualified coaches who he has known in the coaching world for a long time. In the overall scheme of things, that's something that we can get into more as the season wears on. One of the things I am interested in talking about just briefly is the role of Ryan Lindley because he is someone who came into the program to coach quarterbacks. They threw him into the offensive coordinator position. Now his role is still to be determined, but he will be retained. Steve, it's great to hear that Ryan Lindley will still be on the staff. He came over last year on a two-year contract. Recall he became the quarterback's coach and then the offensive coordinator to help Jalen Maiden transition into his first full season as quarterback this year. So I think Lindley did a really good job, and it's great that he's rewarded and that he'll still be here with the new uh, coaching staff. It's one of those catch-22s when you're looking at who to hire to fill a head coaching job. The paradox is you want somebody who has experience as a head coach, but how do you get the experience if you don't have the experience? We've all been there and various entities. So maybe Ryan Lindley will get some up close and personal look at how being a head coach is actually managed by a young and energetic football mind. And sooner or later, I'll get to the point of the sentence. <laughs> Suffice to say, I'm anxious to see what knowledge that Ryan Lindley can pick up from Sean Lewis, who really has a pretty good feel for everything related to being a head coach at this level. Pointedly, however, Ryan Lindley has not been officially named to any official capacity, so his precise position within the program remains to be seen. So Ryan Lindley retained, Coach Hoke, of course, gone, and per Kirk Kenny of the Union Tribune, we're learning a little bit more about Hoke's departure. Apparently, San Diego State and Brady Hoke agreed to a $3.5 million 
severance package that's 1.3 million less than his contract dictated, which ran through June of 2027. The university framed Hoke's departure as a retirement. However, according to Kirk Kenny, item one of the addendum reads that effective December 1st, 2023, Hoke is, quote, relieved of his duties as head coach. So basically, he was fired. Hoke technically remains an employee and is available to consult as requested through June of 2027. He was not reassigned, unlike years ago when Denny Stoles was let go before his contract ended and he had to become the golf coach for three years. And with, uh, with Brady agreeing uh, to the $1.3 million cut from his contract, that was the decision made. So he's gone, but not forgotten because the Essex will be paying him, Steve, for quite a while. Oh, man, I don't know why we're pulling on this thread. He's retired. Don't let this get dragged into a court and turn into a messy thing. But, yes, the tea leaves were being read, and the Aztec faithful and those who were thinking about buying season tickets, which is all important, and filling that stadium, which was half empty this past season, were crying for a fresh set of ears, eyes, nose, and one mouth throat <laughs> not throat mouth <laughs> either way his, yeah, yeah. they they wanted you know they they got they got they got what they wanted now let's see if they're going to part with some of their ducats and see if that stadium's going to feel more like a football stadium during home games and less like go a church speaking of such San Diego State announced a cut in football season ticket prices by 20% for most seats However, Steve, we are premium ticket holders, season ticket holders, right? And we'll get just a 10% cut in our season ticket prices. Uh, ticket sales dropped from just under 16000 in the first year of the stadium to just under 11000 this season. That's season tickets. Tickets will now cost between $200 and $1,200 instead of 250 to 1500 Plus, of course, that stadium excellence gift. Can't forget that. That ranges from $100 to $1,500 over a three-year period. So the Aztecs, San Diego State, listening to the fans. A, they get a new head coach. B, they're lowering season ticket prices. So that means the fans should be in the stadium next season. Right, Steve? We'll see. It's all about, and Sean Lewis admitted it in his discussions, you're talking about a product, and we uh, did hear from... Your former colleague at CBS 8, San Diegans have a lot of other things to do on a Saturday night, so it's a competitive marketplace out there in the form of entertainment, and it's also pretty easy just to sit back on the couch and watch it on TV, so there will be some changes and additions, I guess, to the home football game experience with the addition of a new area for tailgating along the redone San Diego riverbed there. So I'm interested in seeing what it's going to be like next season. And the bottom line is you still have to field a team that is competitive and that has to win. And it has to win fairly soon. I see that some people are thinking that, well, we can give them a honeymoon of a year. And if they go six and six or five and seven or whatever, you've made a pretty big move at a pretty tumultuous time in the sports marketplace in college football. And the Aztecs 
do have the benefit of owning that property. So they are blessed now with a revenue stream from all the different events that they can generate revenue from coming into that stadium. So they have the resources, they have the person in place. Can they get the players in and can the coaches they are bringing in coach them up? That's all stuff that's still to be seen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many fans come to game one Yes, there'll be a new coach, new players, but the Aztecs announced yesterday that the season opener will be August 31st against Texas A&M Commerce. Not the regular Texas A&M, Texas A&M Commerce. So we'll see. I'm guessing that's uh, that team isn't highly ranked or well-known about, so we'll have to see how, how the fans come out to watch that one. Well, it beats uh, bringing in uh, an NFL quarterback of the future and getting the tar beat out of you by some team from somewhere in the Midwest. Where was it? Eastern Illinois. <laughs> it's happening. Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, we lost yeah. that game. But yeah, one more comment about the whole Snapdragon Stadium and the last couple of years of Aztecs football, and that is this. They knew it was coming. They did a pretty good job of getting – the measure passed to grant ownership of that area to San Diego State University. So they own it. They own everything that emanates from that area. So everybody involved in that knows they have a task to fulfill and that the expectations are high. I personally am less than enchanted with the performance on the football field over the last couple of years in this new stadium. But it's also football, so I realize it's a game, and we should all be enjoying it as well. Well, we do enjoy it when we're there, but it's better when they win. <laughs> oh, no, Always. it's more fun and exciting if they win. <laughs> fun and exciting. Now, if it's just one of those fun and exciting games and they lose, well, you know. Well, <laughs> before we go, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the NCAA uh, possibilities of splitting up Division One into the haves and the ha- No, it's already haves and have-nots, <laughs> but right. even more so, huh? It's all about the Benjamins, as it turns out. The new NCAA president, Charlie Baker, has made it official in a letter that he has sent to all the member schools saying, hey, it's time just to rip the Band-Aid off and call us what we are, a semi-professional league or almost a professional league where everybody who's going to be in part of this new environment is going to have to pony up at least thirty grand a year. And st- Oh, but they're going to do it through a trust fund, so it's all good, right? Oh, you would think so. <laughs> Anyways, this will enable Division One schools to offer what are described as unlimited educational benefits and also enter directly into that name, image, and likeness deal with the athletes. And this probably is going to be debated, but it sounds like something that your big money schools are already behind because there has been the Greek chorus from some of the big money schools like Ohio State saying, oh boy, what a great idea this is. Boy, we can't wait to be part of the new pay-to-play college football super division because, hey, we're already there anyways. So Baker sent that letter out to all the member schools, of which San Diego State is a member. There's 350 Division I schools. In advance of a speech that he was giving and an appearance at the Sports Business Journal's Intercollegiate Athletic Forum in Las Vegas this week. So this idea of creating the new subdivision, which has been discussed and which uh, people 
in the media have been saying it's pretty much there and this just makes it official is something that 35 to 40 schools will be part of because they're the ones that are holding most of the chips in this situation and they have a lot of the blue chips on the football field. The Aztecs at this point had to do something and that kind of puts a little bit of perspective on the move that they've made so far in the coaching staff and some of the marketing moves they're trying to make and also the the ticket price shift because they were also responding to one of the loss of supply and demand economics. They had plenty of supply, there just wasn't enough demand. So they're trying to stimulate demand by making changes on the football field while also answering to the marketplace by getting those tickets down. It's one of those situations where we're just going to have to see it all plays out. And holy smokes, it's one of those Chinese curses. May you live in interesting times. Yeah, the Aztecs, I think you're right. They looked ahead toward this happening by hiring Sean Lewis and hoping he can get that offense in gear. There's going to be more, uh, you know, changes in conferences, right? Everything that happened this summer with the Aztecs not getting into the Pac-12 and uh, all those teams moving to the Big Ten and the Big 12, that's going to happen again. And with this new, uh, you know, subdivision grouping that they're talking about with schools, they'll have to pay $30,000, at least uh, half of that payment to athletes who can afford that, right? So I think San Diego State is trying to make sure that when things do transition, that they're going to have a high-flying product with football and basketball, that they can be a part of that at some point. Yeah, and look at the disparity in athletics budgets because in that letter baker said they can range in division one from five million to 250 million a year there's 59 schools spending over 100 million another 32 spending over 50 million they put the aztecs in that other 32 so they are either gonna have to figure out a way to get a quality product for their money and also gradually over time increase it and become part of that $100 million annually club or the reverse happens. It's nothing stays the same. Well, we shall see how this all is handled over the next year or so with the NCAA and the haves and the have-nots. Oh, yeah, just to throw in one more note about that, they have not officially, because all the schools, it hasn't been adequately explained to me how this whole process works. Is it a fait accompli, or is there going to be some sort of a formal vote? Everybody has to weigh in. The San Diego State University Athletics Director and its uh, institution itself has yet to officially weigh in Uh, one way or the other on this proposal. So there you are probably reading over the fine print, weighing their options and talking to their fellow members of the Mountain West to see how they're going to respond. The one thing in the Mountain West's advantage or in its favor in all of this is they are part of that new expanded 12-game championship playoff. So they will have the opportunity to perhaps generate some more revenue, but got to win to get to that game and win it first yeah and with that new agreement they'll be playing washington state and oregon state hopefully that will be something that helps move uh, the aztecs further toward the haves uh, away from the have-nots <laughs> and we're all about that because we are aztecs all in which i think we pretty much exhausted the possibilities so far 
Unless you have anything else you'd like to throw in there, Lewis, at the end. Just, just want to be generous and in, in that holiday spirit. <laughs> I think we've said all we need to say. We've had a chock full of information in this episode. Okay, we will talk to you again sometime soon, and hopefully it'll be not too long after the Aztecs take on UC Irvine at Viejas. So, with that, we will say thank you for checking us out on Aztecs All In. And if you want to keep up or connect with the Aztecs All In podcast, you can follow us on the X at Aztecs underscore all underscore in. Man, did you hear what Elon Musk said? Whoops, that's a whole other topic entirely. You can send us email too at AztecsAllIn at gmail.com. We are Aztecs All In, and we will visit again soon.